You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, did you know that the same angel that visited Mary, the mother of Jesus, had already visited somebody else first? What? You mean someone before Mary? Who did he visit? Yeah, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. No way. How did that go? Uh, well, not as well as it went with Mary. Mm, well, let's let's go talk take a about look. that today. Yeah, more, more than, than ink. ink. Wonderful December Christmas oh, morning Merry to you. Merry Christmas to and, you. Good uh, this, morning. This is Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And uh, we are continuing our look at uh, some of maybe the lesser known, lesser parts of the Christmas story uh, that you don't hear too much about. But we think especially today, uh, especially today, are probably the most core, the core passage that you really want to focus on on Christmas. It's a big deal. Yeah, because what's with John the Baptist? You know, as a kid, yeah. I always wondered what part did John the Baptist play in the story? Why is Luke devotes a huge amount of his text to John the Baptist? Yeah, and how come he's he's not got a statue in all these crashes right and he doesn't show up in our christmas carols no no he doesn't figure but when luke compiles his story about jesus he says hello everybody in luke one and then the first thing he talks about is the birth of john the baptist the forerunner yeah and and it's it's (laughs) tightly connected into the birth of jesus tightly connected and you get a viewpoint into the the birth of jesus in a way you never would before so we're going to jump into this narrative about why john the baptist figures in with the birth of jesus and john the baptist's parents Zacharias Mm -hmm. and and elizabeth and what that has to all to do with it last week we saw how elizabeth's pregnancy was kind of a confirmation for mary but we're going to work our way we're going to go back to the beginning and find out how that came to be and why it figures in such a prominent way mm-hmm. so when luke starts off his story in luke 1 he starts off with the whole the, the whole quandary that that zacharias and elizabeth have which was they don't have any kids and they've gotten old enough and they're old and publicly recognized You're as right. barren and he's yeah. a, he's professionally he's a he's a guy who goes into the temple and does priestly kinds of things so there's a there's actually a very special honor of a thing you can do going into the temple that's only given to a couple people and he and he actually he draws the short straw it fell to him at this time of going year. to the yeah. temple so he figures now i've got a now i've got a private audience with god maybe this would be a good time for me to come to god this is the best chance i'll ever get and say god can you help us out we don't have any kids and so that's exactly what he does and his task is to burn incense which represents the prayers of the people so he's offering prayer for himself and his wife at the same time that he's representing the prayers of the people yeah so let's pick up the story. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we need to read this very important part uh, of Luke 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 12, uh, or right. verse 11. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of the incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. <laughs> but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll give him the name John. 
And you'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Mm. So the angel is saying to him, he's placing this child squarely in the prophetic word of Malachi. The last word of the Old Testament was, I'm going to send this one, the forerunner Forerunner. in the spirit of Elijah Mm -hmm. before Messiah, and he's going to have a message of repentance that will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and children to the fathers. That's a reference to the covenant being passed father to son. They're going to all become aware of the need for repentance because of the message of this child. So he's really laying the groundwork for what Jesus is going to do in his three-year ministry. And John the Baptist comes and gets people's hearing straightened out because the issue is not by his might conquering Rome. The issue is the dealing with your own sin and the fact that there's redemption and there's forgiveness for right. those sins. Right, and the way into the kingdom is through repentance and yeah. forgiveness. This is just a this is just a thought that just was not part of their whole Messiah thinking. So that's right. what John the Baptist did. So here, here, Zacharias is in the temple and he's asking for a baby and this angel says, you will have a baby. <laughs> Guess what? Surprise, this baby is that forerunner who's going to go before the Messiah. He's not the Messiah, but he's going before the Messiah to kind of talk about and actually to to pave a highway in the words of the Old Testament to make his path straight and even so that the Messiah can come and right. get people the most traction. ready for repentance. Exactly. Yeah. So that's his job. So Zacharias doesn't believe. He doesn't actually, believe. Because <laughs> he asks the question, well, how would I know for certain that's really going to happen? Right. And the angel says, well, I'm, I'm Gabriel. I'm the one that's standing in the presence of God, and I am the one tasked with letting humankind know Messiah is on the way. Right. That's who's talking to you. Right. In fact, this is kind of a name dropping from the Old Testament. You know, how many names of angels do you know from the Old Testament? Not very many. Not very many. Yeah. But Gabriel, he's prominent in Daniel when Daniel's talking about the coming he's Messiah. He's always associated with Messiah. There's yeah. Gabriel. So he's really dropping a name that should kind of make Zacharias quake in his boots. So you can read this text by yourself, but the response of Gabriel says, you know, because you didn't believe what I told you, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the birth of this baby. Well, that implies not only was he not able to speak, mm-hmm. he was also unable to hear. He was in silence. And we find that out later when they have to make signs to him to find out what the baby should be named. Right. So for the, the whole gestation of this baby... He was He's, silent. Right. He's going to be silent. So that's that's kind of the what's going to happen because he didn't believe. But the, but the pregnancy is going to go on and this baby is going to be born and the forerunner is going to come out. So this is super duper important as we move on through this. Now, as we skip forward in the text after the baby is born, finally born, um, they ask him during this process, they say, so, you know, is a couple of days after the birth, they have to go in and they have to name the child as well as circumcise. And, but the naming is formal. And since, you know, he can't, he can't speak, they're figuring, well, you know, what you do is the first, the first child you always name after the dad, right. they're going to name him Zechariah. But so they make signs to him and right. give him a tablet so he can write on it. And he, instead he says, nope, he writes on the tablet. Nope. His name is John. His name is John, which blew everybody away. <laughs> so read about that because yeah. that's in Luke one in the sixties verses, right. uh, which right. come right before his mouth is 
opened in praise. And right. all he has to say is how great God is yeah. because of what he's done. So it's a good point. If if you were if you're Zachariah, I mean, what would you have said right after having your speech come back? <laughs> And after kind of showing verbally in, in a way that you're buying into the program because you're not naming him, Zacharias, you're not naming him after yourself. You're naming him. believed and obeyed. He believed and, and obeyed. the child John. Exactly. So, so, so what's the next thing out of your mouth? And this is what we want to focus on because this is an extraordinary view into the big picture about the birth of Jesus as well as John the Baptist. So that we pick that up when you get around to verse 67. And, Zach- and Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So here again, we have the Holy Spirit giving us something about, of an mm. eternal view of what mm-hmm. the, the importance, what's really going on here. It's the first things out of Zacharias's mouth. And he says in 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant. Oh, David's house again. David's house, the house that God was going to build for him. So before we go on past that, it's do you notice the... The uh, tense of the verbs again. Oh, it's all past tense. Past isn't it? tense. God has visited. has visited. God has showed up. Yeah, and Jesus is not born yet. John the Baptist <laughs> is. So these are all these are all done deals from God's perspective for why it's in the past tense. And notice too, we talked about the the name Emmanuel, which means God with, God us. with us. He's visited us. Hmm. That's it right there. He's he has visited us and he has redeemed his people. Redeemed always talks about buying someone back mm-hmm. at a price. And this is like a done deal from this perspective as well. And then in 69, he says he's raised up a horn of salvation. And this horn is not a car horn. This is like a horn on an animal. So when you see a really powerful ox or something that has one of these big goring horns, that always is a picture of power and might in ancient days. So, And it's, it's a very dangerous one. So it's a nice picture of power and ability to bring salvation. He's raised up a mighty horn of salvation for us. Not ineffectual, but powerful. Okay, but that same horn is also what they would blow, the ram's horn. That's right. The shofar, which Eventually. would announce, it's announced and gets your attention. Yeah. Something is happening. Yeah. And so uh, it really, it it does, it does both things. God mm-hmm. is calling attention. And that's what John the Baptist was going to do. Yep. Yep. Go before Messiah and call attention and say, call you attention. know what? There he is. Repent and get ready because the kingdom is here. The yep. king is here. Yep. And that's what he was meant to be, was to be kind of a horn mm-hmm. to kind of pronounce what's going on. In the house of David, his servant. So here we're back to the, <laughs> we're eternal, back to the house of David. The eternal throne of David. There it is. And so, and he, and he goes on to reminisces in 70. And, and as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old, which we just did two weeks mm-hmm. ago, uh, the, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Okay, let's stop there for a second because uh, we can interpret that as just as being saved in a military fashion from right. our human enemies. But from an eternal perspective, we are saved from our old ancient enemy, death, in, and sin, our enslavement to sin. We're saved, yeah. uh, brought out from the, the power of the enemy. Yeah, the real enemy, the real battle is not flesh and blood, no, Paul says. that's right. It's with the angels and principalities. You know, it's, it's bad guys who are out for your bad. They're not out for your good. And so these invisible warring agents right. are going right. to be vanquished right here. Um, he's the one who's going who's gonna to save us from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. So what is that? What, what was the mercy promised to our fathers in the, in the holy covenant? Well, what was the oath that he swore to Abraham? I'm going to make a people. You're going to be the father 
of a huge number, a numberless number of people. And we know from the New Testament, Galatians says, all who are of the faith of Abraham are children of Abraham. So, no, we saw with Mary last week that when Gabriel spoke to her, she believed him. Right. The problem right. with Zacharias was when Gabriel spoke to him, he didn't believe <laughs> he didn't him. He didn't believe him. Like, oh, yeah, But right? he does now. He says, God has promised to our fathers to remember his covenant, the oath that he swore to our fathers, to Abraham, to, to grant Abraham. us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all our days. How do we get holy? Hmm. How do we get righteous? Well, the scripture says back in Genesis 16, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Yeah. And, and Paul yeah. and the writer of Hebrews picks that up as and well. And in fact, this reminds me of an event that's going to happen much later in the life of John the Baptist. He's out there at the Jordan River and he's baptizing people and the mm. Pharisees come out to say, you know, what's going on out here? And he calls them a brood of vipers. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty brutal pretty with fiery them. fiery stuff. But, but what he does is he confronts them with the fact that they're thinking that since they think that they are right. children of Abraham, they've got a freebie into the right. kingdom of heaven. because they're genetically, they have this right. genetic heritage. Right. And he, he kind of takes them down on the spot because they're not catching the fact that there's an issue about forgiveness and sin that needs to be dealt right. with. And being just genetic sons of Abraham is not cutting it for you. So he actually says, look, you know, if God needs children of Abraham, he can make these he stones. He can make them out of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the issue is faith, faith in God Believe and faith in God's in God. solution to the problem of our sin. Right. And blood of Abraham just doesn't figure too much. So that's what's kind of interesting here, because also when God talked to Abraham, he says that not only will Israel be blessed, but all the all nations, nations, all that's the nations. Us. And, and the only qualification to participate in that is the same faith. Right. that Abraham had. And that's what makes you a son of Abraham is the faith in God's solution to the problem of our sin through right. Christ. Yeah. So as he swore to our father, Abraham to grant us, I love the picture to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, like, you know, they, they're not going to bother you anymore, which right. will leave you free to do what? Serve leave you free him. to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all day. So, I mean, what we're basically saying is, God promised us that we could be a nation and we would be unmolested in this place mm -hmm. and God would take care of us. And we just want to live here with God. And God says, okay, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to live here with God that we might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That's, that's the point. So this is what this one who is coming, this Jesus is going to accomplish on our behalf. And, and, and according to how uh, Zacharias quotes this. He's doing it in the past tense. It's like it's a done right. deal. It's a done deal from the beginning of the universe. It's a hmm. done deal what Christ has done on our behalf in order to fulfill his covenant promise, not only to Israel, but to those who are sons of Abraham through faith as well. It's fascinating. Hmm. And then he turns his attention to the baby. Yeah, he hasn't talked about John no. the Baptist yet. <laughs> And that's, you know, all the people standing around him are just gobsmacked about the fact right. that they're not naming him Zachary. They want to find out what's going on. He hasn't talked about John the Baptist at right. all. And he's just praising God for what yeah. he's done. Yeah, this magnificent thing that's happened. So we take a slight detour into the life of John the Baptist right here in 76. <laughs> it's not slight. It's the focus. <laughs> and you, child, verse 76, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins sins we have to stop right there right that's his purpose the knowledge of salvation that comes through the forgiveness of our sins not through offering enough sacrifices not through obedience to the law not through the parading of our righteous behavior by repentance from our sins right so again 
the, the issue is he needed to prepare the ears of the audience that would hear Jesus eventually. And that the way they need to be prepared is to understand that they are in need of salvation, but not salvation from Rome and the people who occupied right. them. They're in need of salvation from, from their, their own sins, sins. Mm-hmm. forgiveness of their sins. And this is what the Messiah is coming to conquer is the consequences of our sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. He has pulled together prophecies from Isaiah, from Malachi, from, uh, uh, I guess it's mostly Isaiah Isaiah, and Malachi are in view there. But that's just amazing. It's one of my favorite sections of scripture. Boatload of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So go. What's your favorite? Because in this, you know, you notice he talks about his son, John the Baptist in 76 and 77. But then he says, because here you need to, you need to get people, get them prepped for this message. And here's the message. Here's the message. There is salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Mm. Well, I didn't know I had a problem with sins. Well, you do. You have, and forgiveness is God's way of fixing the problem. Mm And why? Because God's driven by his tender mercy for us. Mm. He sees our condition. He understands the fact that our sins are killing us. And by the way, I tell people all the time, I'm not a big fan of sin or sinful behavior because it's self-destructive. Sin is self-destructive. It may promise a lot, but in the end, it's self-destructive. And it also enslaves you. So what he's saying right here is because of God's tender mercy, he is taking the initiative mm. to fix our, the imprisonment we have to sin and to fix the self-destruction that's coming from sin. And the path is forgiveness of those sins. God is taking the initiative to establish a new covenant. Exactly. Not like the one they broke in the wilderness, right. the one they couldn't possibly keep, but a new covenant, as Jesus said, in the blood of Jesus, which mm-hmm. is all about the forgiveness of sin. You should go to Jeremiah 31, 31, 31 yeah. to 34, and read that account of what God says. I'm going to I'm going to establish a new covenant, and you will know me through the forgiveness of your sins. And they'll all know me. And they won't be going around telling each other, to the you, least. Need, you need to know God because everyone will know him. From the greatest to the least to the most humble, like Mary. So this state. forgiveness for sin is accessible to all. You don't have to be uh, in the entitlement camp. You don't have to be a religious authority. You don't have to be a member of any nationality. God says they will all know me they because I'll forgive me. their sin. Yeah, Our sin is what separates us from God, Isaiah says. And yet and yet, the most resistant ears in Jesus' time were the Pharisees mm-hmm. because they, thought they, themselves as righteous. they thought they were righteous. They were mm-hmm. informed about the law and doggone it. They were doing it and perfectly. And they were entitled to God's favor because right. they we're, did everything right. We, they, um, we're doing everything right. We understand God's commands right. And uh, on top of that, we have the blood of Abraham in our veins. Man, we are in. Yeah. And what did Jesus call them? whited sepulchers, right? <laughs> That's right. They filthy. Clean, they clean up the outsides, but the insides are filthy. The insides are filthy. Yeah. So they, Full of unclean they things. They weren't listening to this, and that's why they didn't They didn't sync with John the Baptist when he was out there doing his thing. They did not receive that message. They just didn't get it. Because they the just missed the boat that the issue is one of the heart, right? That's right. the thing with the new covenant. God says, I'm going to write it on your heart. It's not going to be imposed on you externally by a stone tablet anymore. It's going to be written on the living tablet of your heart based yeah. on whether you believe me or not. It's internal instead of external. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's written in your heart's motivations and desires and loves. I right. mean, it's Do actually I love an, what God loves? an integral part of who you are yeah. rather than applied from the outside. And, and that's he, something God will do. God does this. God does this. And he's, and he, I love this language. The sunrise shall from visit us shall, from on high. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. So something is coming from the outside and it's coming here, coming down to here. Jesus says, I'm not from here. I'm from there. Sunrise, and I love the fact he doesn't say we're getting visited from on high. We're having a sunrise. No, a sunrise. What happens when the sun comes up? It's the beginning of a whole new day. Exactly. And great hope. I mean, everything with a sunrise. Again, we're back to Malachi because Mm -hmm. the last few verses of Malachi say, and he'll rise like the sun, the sun of righteousness with healing in his wings. Healing in his wings. Yeah. So sunrise will visit us from on high. And the other thing I like about too, about the whole idea of light, and we talked about this in John, was the fact that light gives you an understanding of the way things truly are. And before there's light... You're just guessing at the way things are. I mean, it's just dark. It's just dark. And when we have all this artificial light, we we seldom think about that. Light reveals things. But in this particular case, it's not just the blinding hot light of a hot sun. It's a sunrise. It's a new day. It's the beginning of a new day that God has planned. And Jesus himself is this visit from on high, this sunrise from God, a new day in understanding God's provision for our sin through Christ. Well, and Peter, actually, Peter picks up that beautiful symbolism. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. When he says uh, that, oh, shoot, I'm in the wrong Peter. <laughs> I look at a second, I need second, second Peter. Peter. Second, second Peter. Peter, 119, when yeah. he says, um, and so we have the prophetic word made more sure. And he's talking about having been on the mountain with Jesus at the mm-hmm. transfiguration, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns uh, and the morning star the sun the right. morning star arises in your hearts you do well until the day dawns for you right and at the end of revelation 22:16 Jesus says I am the offspring of David I am the bright and morning star mm-hmm. I'm the beginning of God's new day in the light that's right so all of that is in view in what Zacharias is saying back here in Coupled together with the natural beauty of a sunrise, the natural hope of a sunrise. I mean, all that is wrapped up. That's why this language is so great. This is a sunrise that's from on high. And a day that will never end. Yeah, right. And he says, here's what the sunrise will do, 79. To give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide Hmm. our feet into the way of peace. Oh. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) To guide our feet into the way of peace. Not peace, well, peace with one another, but peace with God. God. Peace with God. Right. Ephesians Ephesians 2 says, He is our peace. Yep. And when we talk about peace in the New Testament, we always think about um, uh, reconciled relationships is mm-hmm. what this peace is about. It's not just the cessation of a war and hostilities. Mm-hmm. It's about whatever separated you from someone else, peace brings you back together again. So this is peace with God. This is peace with God. And why did we were not at peace with God? Because, because our of own our sins. Sin. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not that the arm of the Lord is so short that he cannot save. It's us who've sinned against right. him and we've walked away. But God now is taking the initiative. Zacharias is saying, mm-hmm. God is taking the initiative with this sunrise and he's going to bring light to this miserable people who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. That's Isaiah 9. That's the beginning of Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. <laughs> yeah. And God is the one who's fixing it. He's going to bring light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. And now he's going to guide our feet with that light. Into the way we of know peace. where we're going. We know where to go in order to pursue peace with God, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Oh. 
you know, that's what God had always wanted. I keep coming back to the ironic blessing, and I want to do probably a whole conversation about that in the new year, because that, that you know, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Uh, God's intention from the very beginning was that his, his high priest would speak over the people. I have my face toward you, and I'm going to establish you in peace. Yep, yep. Well, Romans 5.1 says, uh, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through this faith in which we, in the grace in which we stand by faith. So when we believe God, that is the means by which we can be established, st- settled, founded in this peace right, how with we him participate. by believing what he has said to us about our right. Savior, his son. Yeah, how we participate in, in his plan that he's executed on our behalf. Mm-hmm. We just have to say, okay. Like kind of like Mary did, said, "Well, okay, I'm in." <laughs> now, did Zechariah have all that in view when he's just overflowing in this praise? Well, perhaps not in the no, moment. Not in the moment. But, but he sees the whole picture. Yeah, yeah, he sees the whole picture. So, as we kind of round this off, if someone asks you what Christmas is all about, <laughs> and this is what I go to every single time, what is what is really what's the big picture of what Christmas is all about? I mean, like really, and I'll tell them. Jesus, the birth of Jesus, is a sunrise that has visited us mm. from on high, who's, who's given light for us, who just sit in darkness and shadow of death, and he is now guiding our feet into a way of peace. That's what Christmas is all about. He is the sunrise from on high. The beginning of a whole new day. The beginning of a whole new day. The day before that, it was darkness and shadow of death, and now there's light. And he is that light. And he and, is the light. And that's what I say. This yeah. is what Christmas is. This is what Christmas is. It's that point in the timeline of all mankind's history. Well, and we've been reading through the Gospel of John, and I just would remind you about John one fourteen, and that word became flesh and dwelt, and among, dwelt us. among us. And yeah. we beheld his glory, right? What do you, when you see a sun come up, it's glorious. It's great. His glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So it comes back to, do we believe that God spoke himself into our existence in this human baby who was born, who was the word become flesh to, to show us the glory of God? Emmanuel, God, God with, us. with us. God with us. He visited us. He's in our midst. And accomplished our redemption and established us in peace. This is the God who initiated this rescue mission through Jesus. <laughs> for our benefit. And Are that's, you ready for Christmas now? And that's why <laughs> that's why we love Christmas. Well, we're glad you've been with us today, and I hope it changes your viewpoint on Christmas. Oh my gosh, some. what a gift. Oh, just tremendous, just tremendous. And uh, next time, we're actually going to dive into how you can be hopeful looking into the new year, mm. because many of us don't think there's much to be hopeful about. But oh, I do. We have a hope in Christ. We do. So this is Jim. And this is Dorothy. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. That's pretty good. That might be better.